Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey. It's a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of freelancers. And today on the show, we've got my friend April Kirby, who uh, is another person that I met through Weld co-working space a few years ago. And we are now both members currently at Waxspace and Oak Cliff, based in Tyler Station. We have some offices here. Hello, April. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we... Uh, well, we've known each other for a couple of years, right? No, it's probably, it's been more than a couple of years because it's yeah, been probably been four. about two years. So it's probably three because I was at Weld for about a year before we moved to a year and a half. Probably it's been three and a yeah, half. It's probably been three and a half years. Well, I feel quickly. like we got to know each other well in Big Bend. Yeah. And that what was. What a trip that was. So many ways for you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll go into that at some point. Not on this podcast. Not at this time. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, why don't you kind of give a brief introduction, tell all the listeners about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Well, um, it is pretty simple story. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma and I basically fell into video because I um, wanted to do school announcements and see myself on the TV in eighth grade. So I took that class. And um, by the end of the semester, I'd kind of just developed such a love for getting to force people to listen to my opinions, I guess, via video. So I stuck with it. um, And I went to school for, um, I have a bachelor's in journalism. And I just really developed a love for storytelling and ran the gamut of what I wanted to do as far as if it was like narrative film or like editing movie trailers or make music videos or sports. Um, but eventually settled on just telling like real stories as much as I could. Um, I worked about four years full time after I graduated in 2010. And in 2014, I was abruptly let go from my job. Um, it was not ideal of a situation. Um, a few months prior, I'd started um, shooting like a friend's wedding and they were getting married. And then I also had gotten married not like pr- prior, like a month before we I was fired. Um, but I started taking weddings on just to like save some money for gear. I wasn't like super interested in doing it. Um, but when I was fired, I was like, well, I have like eight weddings booked. People just told the other person and it kind of just like snowballed to where I had a calendar. And my husband just said, you know, like you don't do nine to five very well. And like, you don't want to do that. So why don't you just try to like do this thing on your own? So, um, I've been full-time freelance since 2014 and, um, the bulk of that has been through um, doing wedding videos and through working with um, nonprofits and small businesses doing like brand storytelling. And I'm really grateful um, that I haven't had to have a real job in five years. I consider that a success. I am by no means where I want to be. And I still feel so like behind or something. I've been having like a very insecure week about my career. Um, So this is a great time to talk about (laughs) it. Um, But yeah, I'm really, really um, interested and passionate on like with documentary and docu-style work 
Um, I just recently signed with a local Dallas production company as a commercial director um, on their roster. Um, And I am looking forward to just taking on more high-end work and working with crews um, and hopefully being in a better place and a better position to be um, taken seriously in like the doc world and um, that sort of thing. And I'm letting weddings go. I will still do them. I just don't really want to advertise and, and, and be known for that anymore. Um, but it is a difficult thing to let go of like five, six grand on a weekend. Yeah. So. Especially if you've been doing it for a long time and it's kind of seems like your way of, or like the way to make it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, um, um, very accessible way of making money as a freelancer. Um, and, I think it's fun. I mean, there's not many jobs where you can go and like have a lot of drinks by the end of the night with your clients and still be like a professional <laughs> vendor, I guess. Right. So They're that's actually fun. thankful that you drink with them. Yeah. And so danced with them. It's super fun. It's not like the thing that I, I, I learned. It's not what brings me the most joy and passion, but by no means um, have I hated doing it. I've been able to do a lot um, and had great, great clients. I've traveled the world with them. I've done elopements in Iceland and Switzerland and Scotland. And I mean, it's like amazing. Um, and I, I know the formula, I think to like, if I wanted to continue to do that as like a successful thing, that is like something I can know. I'm like, okay, this is the steps that I could do to like up my game and make this work. Um, but instead I'm kind of like, let's redo everything and try to make it work in this other way. Um, and so I do feel a little bit like a newbie in that, but, um, moving to Dallas about, um, I guess I've been in Texas for about four years in Dallas for about two and a half, um, was the best thing just to like meet people, um, that are doing a lot of different things, um, and are doing it well. Um, joining the co-working space was probably the best thing I did just to like force myself to leave my house, um, get dressed and talk to people and be vulnerable and be around people who know what I do so that I can like randomly get asked to join in. Um, so yeah, so I'm here, I'm in Dallas, Oak Cliff. I love it. Um, my husband and I are both full-time freelancers. He's a musician full-time and we've done that the entire time we've been married And I don't know um, how, (laughs) but we don't really have plan B's for ourselves. So I think that's part of it. Kind of that drive to push you through it. Had you always, did you grow up having an interest in production or photography or cameras or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't think I like realized it per se until um, kind of looking back, I was always the one, like the personal historian of my friends and events. I like had a disposable camera all the time. I lined my walls with like the printouts. Um, I like just recently like went through, I do not hoard anything. I am such an avid throw this out if I haven't needed it in two days, but I held on to all these pictures and I had boxes and boxes of just pictures of me, like stupid stuff. But I, I love just like kind of having a record of what was happening around me. Um, I don't feel like my memory is great. And so I think I used it as a way of like, kind of freezing some things in time and getting to relive it and, um, remember it. So I do 
remember that very specifically was a huge part. And then, um, very interestingly enough, um, my, well, okay. When I was younger, I played softball growing up and every year we had a highlight video made by one of the coaches, like star wipes and everything. But I looked forward to it. It was the coolest thing like that. This guy who like had a regular job, like had filmed the whole season. And then like, we got to watch the whole season. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. Um, that was awesome. And then like watching camp video highlights, I just thought it was the coolest, but Um, what was funny about that coach is years later, my best friend who does photography full time, I found out that coach is her uncle (laughs) and I ran into him at her wedding and we were like, this is bizarre, like small world stuff. So anything gets weirdly connected to the other, but I don't know. Those are a couple things that come to mind. It's interesting that you said that you don't really, that you're not a hoarder that you throw stuff out except for like photos and memories of yourself. And then right as we were sitting down to start recording this, you set up your phone to record a few second clip of this happening (laughs) and talked about how you're doing what, like a second a day or something like that with your phone where you're kind of like documenting each day to kind of like go through stuff. That's interesting. It's cool. Do you, how often do you go back and actually like look through stuff or do you, Um, or is it more the process of capturing it that you really enjoy? I think it's a little bit of both, but I don't always give myself the time or space to look through it. So like what I, I challenge myself to do like one second of video every day and it's through an app that kind of does the legwork for me. I just kind of upload it and then it's there. And I find myself watching that a lot because it just spits out this like video of everything. Um, and it's just fun. Um, I think before I like, I wouldn't prioritize like any personal stuff because I just had so much of my own, like my client work and things like that, that it never seemed um, worth my time to like go through a ton of things. Um, But I was never like a scrapbook or anything. So I would take all these pictures or like get video, um, but I would never really do anything with them. So that's like, it's like a um, accessible way of managing all that media. And it's like, um, not that much of a commitment. So I feel like that's enough, especially as someone who spends so much time behind the camera. I think I, do, I was just realizing like I do, a, I have had a lot of really amazing experiences, but they're honestly other people's experiences that I've just been behind the camera for. Uh-huh. And you just realize that like your story matters too. And you want to remember that like your side of it. Um, and so it just was kind of like a good thing to start kind of being intentional about what I'm doing. That's cool. I would imagine that even doing that, even if you never look back at that stuff, it probably helps you just kind of be more aware of that thing happening in that moment and seeing things through that kind of that lens. Uh, you mentioned that you went to school for journalism, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever you like what was kind of the, the decision process leading up to that? And what was your hope or your goal or trajectory with choosing that after and, you know, going through college and then after the fact, what was the plan? Yeah. Um, I honestly didn't intend to do journalism. I knew graduating college. I loved like the idea of like moving to Hollywood. This is like 18 year old me. I want to move to Hollywood. I wanted to edit movie trailers. I want to do film. Um, but I didn't have the resources to like go out of state for college or like my parents didn't think art school was like a real education. So, um, 
I didn't put a ton of thought into it. I just kind of applied to the school I went to, OU in Norman, Oklahoma. And um, I just looked at their, like what they had to offer was like um, in their art college, they had like a fine art film, but it was like eight millimeter film um, and like really artsy, that sort of thing. Um, And then there was a film school that was very theoretically based Um, And in the journalism school, they had all the money, they had the highest in gear, and they had kind of different chapters within the overarching journalism degree. And one of them was like creative media. And there was like a pocket of us that didn't want to do news, but loved like video and visual storytelling. Um, And we had the resources to like do stuff. And so I took advantage of everything that was offered to me there. Um, And then Years later, I'm kind of thankful I had some journalism in me because I think it helps um, with like documentary and storytelling um, because of just the things I learned ethically and then just like practically. Right. Um, so I wasn't necessarily set on on doing journalism um, per se, but it was the best option of the options I had. So it sounds almost like you really wanted to do the camera stuff. Yeah. And do that from the get-go. Yes. Do you Did you have the kind of interest that you do for documentary stuff before you did the journalism? No, no I did not. I or thought... What, what are you, like, wanting to do? Were I, you like, do loved highlight reels? horror movies, and I liked movie trailers. I thought okay. I would want to, like, go and do that. Um, but I, there was a couple, like, visiting professors who were, like, war journalists and, like... Um, things like that, that like I was attracted, I, I realize now I was always attracted to the people just doing really cool stuff and having an adventure with it. Um, and I'm someone like admittedly, I do love what I do, but I, I mostly love what it allows me to get to do. Like, I love like doing the camera. I love storytelling. I love meeting people, but really I love traveling. I like new experiences Um, I love the stories I get to tell afterwards. Um, so I just was always attracted to something that was just like changing. Um, and every summer I worked at a camp and I was like the camp videographer. And then I, I really loved just getting to like do that. And then I started working at a church doing all their media. And I just found I really, I was really good at interviewing and like getting people to like say things on camera and getting them comfortable on camera. And I just learned I liked telling people stories. Um, and I didn't love all the like comedy videos we had to do and all these like cheesy things. But I was like, just let me do like this gut stuff. that's like real raw, emotional. Um, and then like from there, I just started working with like some nonprofits I was connected to. And it that just spiraled to like what I was doing. So I, I don't know if I had a set intention. I just kept following what was interesting and compelling to me, what was going to be personally rewarding. And I went in that direction. That's cool. The, the church stuff you mentioned or the kind of all the the different things leading up to kind of where you are, was that stuff that you were doing while you were at school or is it before or after? When did that kind of stuff happen? Because I would imagine probably some of the nonprofit relationships that you developed probably came through some of those jobs or those circles, right? Because uh, that's typically where I feel like that stuff comes from. Yeah. So I worked at a camp every summer in between um, school. Like, okay. So summer. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily got anything from that other than 
I learned the the best lesson anyone ever gave me was my boss at camp, um, Tim Oliphant, who is amazing and happened to, fun fact, win the second season of American Gladiators when it was on TV. Okay. Um, so That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he's not at the camp anymore, but um, he told us there was like a videographer for every camp and he would look at our edits um, and he like got so frustrated if we didn't include any of the sounds that was happening. And he taught me like, what we do, half of it is audio. Like you need to hear like people screaming and laughing if you see it on camera. So like, yes, there's music, but like audio is so, so, so important to video. Otherwise, like it's not a video, like that's what you need. And so that stuck in my brain. So like a great lesson. And then just like doing it, I was like shooting and getting all this stuff. I had a crazy deadline. We were having to like make a video for the highlight every two weeks. Um, I just got good at stuff because I was doing it so much. And like, that was the only thing I was doing. Um, that helped working at the church, which I, I took as a full-time job after I graduated school. So I worked at the church 2010 to 2014. Um, and I, for anyone who's worked at a church in any capacity, you know, that like, if you are there, you're going to do so many things at all times in very little time. Um, and so I was prepared for like crazy schedule um, but through that, I, I went to Haiti with a group, the church was connected to an organization there. Um, and that did, that was one of the first things that I started doing is I went, um, the university of Oklahoma takes a group of students every year to work with mission of hope Haiti. Um, and I went on that trip and like videoed their experience. And that was kind of my first, um, like, oh, this is cool. Like I can travel internationally and do this. And um, it was like volunteer based at that point. So I assumed I was always going to have to work to be able to do that for other organizations and get to go internationally, um, which turned out is not true, but I didn't know that then. Um, but that was kind of like a start. And then another Haitian organization like found me through some of the same people and I ended up working for them later. So that was probably the people I met working at that church. Um, as much as I had some negative experiences there, um, upon recollection, they are like my closest friends. I met my husband there. Um, I met people who helped me with like my business along the way. Um, so I can't, I can't shit on it too much, but yeah. That's Did that answer your question? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so then coming out of whenever you lost the job, whenever you got fired, mm -hmm. and then you started doing the freelance stuff, had you, you said you got hit by a friend somehow to do some wedding stuff. Had you done wedding stuff before that or anything like that? Um, I, like, 2010, a friend I graduated with asked me to shoot her wedding. She's like, you have gear from your church. Can you come shoot our wedding? And I was like, I guess. I did. I didn't like touch the edit because I did for free. Um, I didn't like I let it the footage sit in a hard drive for like months. And I when I finally got around to being like, oh, I should probably do this thing. The hard drive crashed and I lost everything. And I had to tell her I didn't have it. Oh, and my it was gosh. Like, like, oh, my. I just felt so, so bad. So I swore off like I will never do this again. Plus around that time, like every wedding video I had seen like sucked. And I was like, um, none of this includes like any audio. Again, the best lesson I learned. Um, it was like, there's no structure to it. It was just like, 
if it was good images, it was like pretty images set to a song. And I was like, really, this is good because the song's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, uh, surely I could do better. So um, anyway, but I had no chance of proving that because I didn't back up the footage. Lesson learned. Um, Get your duplicates, people. That is right. I am like fireproof, fireproof, safe, two locations, crazy now, but um, yeah, so like 2014 comes around, um, someone I worked with was like, uh, Hey, do you want to do our wedding? Um, and I charged them. So it became a priority and I, um, did that. And then they, someone saw that one and asked, um, if I could do theirs and it just kind of like went from there. Um, and sounds then, like it happened pretty, pretty quickly. It was pretty quick. I went from doing that one. Um, and then like, April of 2014 and then I think it was like another person like a friend group asked me to do theirs in June and then I had eight in 2014 booked um and then I went from doing eight in 2014 to 36 in 2015 wow. which I never ever ever recommend Is it all referral based? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then um that's the power of referrals right there. Yeah, and then my my current best friend who wasn't my best friend at the time, um Melissa Marshall, she's an amazing um portrait and wedding photographer and um I I basically went to her and I said she got married in 2015 and I said, "Hey, I want to shoot your wedding." because I know you don't have the budget. Um, I want to gift that for you, but then also, can you just tell everyone to use me too? (laughs) 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 And she was like, okay. Especially after the experience she had when I did hers, she just started, she started referring me out and that gave me a lot of um, credibility partnering with people who were doing it already in some other capacity that could complement what I did helped a lot. Um, And just like, focusing on the people who could refer me to their, their own clients who need other stuff. So in the wedding world, it was, I got to know photographers and venues. Um, and that helped a lot. Um, I think in like Dallas, knowing planners is really good. Um, but yeah, in Oklahoma, like kind of the trajectory, I did a lot and I worked my butt off, but it was that was too many to do. And I was like charging like a whole ray of whatever. So I'd like up my, like what I was charging pretty quickly. Um, but I wanted to separate from like Joe Schmo who was doing this. Cause even though I knew I was new to weddings, I was by and large, not new to video. And there was like random people who would just buy a camera and say, Hey, I guess I'll shoot wedding videos. It can't be that hard. And so I wanted to like show that, I guess I wanted to build my clout like well. Um, and so I did, um, advertise through Brides of Oklahoma, which is, um, they have a Brides of Texas too, but like a local magazine and you pay and you do like style shoots through them. Um, and you get like a feature in their magazine, um, that they like shell out two times a year. Um, and it's just a good group of like vendors to know it was a great networking thing, but it was like pretty expensive, but I knew like putting money through that. I could separate myself out from people who were just started just to show like, Hey, look, I'm among these people doing great things. Um, and then a wedding I did, um, I got because they were only a a client wanted only brides of Oklahoma vendors to do their wedding. It was like, they were connected to the governor and she was like, her goal was to basically get on the cover of the magazine. Um, and so she found me as a list of like videographers in the area through them and then that wedding did end up going on the cover. So I, I built my credibility 
um, through making the right connections or just trying and like looking like I was doing the right steps through that world. Um, it's become much more saturated, I think in the like wedding video industry, um, and photography, it's, I don't think it's difficult to succeed, but there's probably different avenues to do it. Yeah. One thing you mentioned, just to kind of clear for anybody that might be wondering, you mentioned styled shoots. You said yeah. you did styled shoots for those wondering styled shoot basically, uh, and specifically in regards to wedding stuff would be a mock wedding, basically where maybe a few different vendors would pull, pool their resources to kind of show what they're capable of doing. So maybe a florist and a wedding planner and different companies that provide different services for weddings will come together and say, Hey, we're just going to do a fake wedding setup and have a photographer and a video person come in and they'll shoot it. That way we have stuff to show for what it would potentially look like for an actual wedding. Yeah. Portfolio building. Um, you get a couple models, you get practice and you get some stuff to put out there. Um, really, really critical, I think, um, to do (laughs) in anything. I think now moving into, um, like even commercial and like trying to elevate my game and documentary is like, okay, if I'm not getting called to do this, to build my portfolio, what are ways I can show that I'm capable? Um, so like even reworking footage I have to make it look like attractive to the kind of clients I want or setting up you know, an interview with someone just to like practice my interview skills and just like spec spots of like creating the thing that you want to get work for, um, I think can translate through most like industries under yeah. the umbrella. Yep. And a spec spot is speculative work. So you, you're not getting paid for it necessarily. You might, but it's more of, I'm going to do this on speculation that maybe I get hired to do it more in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you... Like what's kind of, I mean, do you have any like marketing stuff you do other than, like, I mean, obviously yes, because you've already talked about a little bit of it. You talked about how you reach out to different vendors, at least whenever you're doing wedding stuff more, but you still do a decent amount of that, right? Um, I did, um, five last year and this year I'll have done about five. Okay. So I'm not really taking on a lot. There are a lot to commit to like when you're getting booked six to 12 months out to have a whole like weekend blocked. So I, I'm slowing down, um, but I'm also not intentionally like putting myself out there as much. So I think I'm in a weird transition spot where some people don't know what I do and it's probably slowing everything down. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested in like filling my, my calendar or relying on that as my income right now. But if it's the right client and the right, opportunity. Um, I like, I enjoy doing it. I just, I don't want to go, do too many. Right. So with the marketing stuff, then, I mean, obviously with the, specifically with the wedding stuff, you mentioned mm-hmm. that you do, that you did stuff where you were like contacting wedding planners and other photographers mm-hmm. and other people that would potentially refer you, or hire you, uh, with, I mean, are there any other things you do for marketing either specifically for the wedding stuff or just like commercial stuff or anything in general. Yeah. Like, do you do yeah, I would social say ads or I haven't done like email or. Yeah. I probably haven't done any formal like marketing like that. Um, I'm probably not the best person to talk to. Cause I, even what I know in theory works, I haven't always implemented. Um, I would say specifically for weddings, what I have done and maybe not done to the best of my ability 
um, or consistently that works and that I know works for people is um, the best thing I did was I I worked with someone to develop a brand identity. Um, and like we really went through what is this like message I'm trying to do? Why would anyone come to me? Like why would one client come to me over someone else? And developed kind of my brand message and they redid not just like Yes, it was like logo building and like colors and fonts and like a website overhaul, but it was really like, what is the heart of what I do and why I do it? And like, it allowed me to know who I was trying to get and what I was trying to do. So that was really helpful because it allowed me to kind of separate me from the bunch. Um, Connecting with other people doing what I did um, in twofold, people who were other like videographers who, if they weren't available, they could refer like refer me instead and then um, working with other vendors who might get on the same wedding who they need someone that worked a lot like really well um workshops and like just networking um as much as you can and then just posting and engaging on on instagram instagram has probably been where i get a lot of my work um it's still where I get in general work, like overall, or is that like specific types come from that? Yeah, definitely helps um, in weddings. Um, like brides are on Instagram, vendors are on Instagram. Um, I think that was really, really helpful in weddings. I still think it's helpful with what I'm trying to transition into um, with kind of people doing the same things. I don't know that like, um, like necessarily clients are on there looking for people to hire but people doing what you do are still on there um I did get um I I mentioned I signed with a local production company I'm on their roster for directors I only got that connection because I worked with um Matt and Bo on a job and they posted that day on shoot and I was like the director of the day and so um, the company that I'm now with was like, who is this girl director? I didn't, I don't know who she is and like reached out because they followed kickstand. Um, so it's still really beneficial to like be seen what you're doing, but then be seen on other people's Instagrams, what you're doing and like getting other people to know what you're doing. It's just a really like accessible way to connect Um, and I do not use it to my highest ability, but when I do post, um, I see a ton of engagement. I see inquiries go up still. Um, it's really, really beneficial. Um, and there are people way better at it than me and who are way more successful at it than me that could tell you like more, but I know for a fact, if you do it well, you can get stuff and then probably SEO, which I'm definitely not good at, but. That's okay. I'm more interested in what you do anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like, no right or wrong. Yeah, like but as far as I mean, I'm still I'm trying to figure that out though with um, like documentary and docu series and like trying to get on like larger productions. I feel a little bit at square one with I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know because it's not like I don't know the formula for this. Um, I feel. I mentioned I'm just in an insecure like time where all of a sudden I feel like. Uh, some of like the people I want to work with maybe don't take me seriously because of the way I got to where I am. They kind of look down on weddings. And so then you're like, okay, well, <laughs> this allowed me to, to get to where I am. I don't want to like crap on it, but also how do I prove that I can be a part of this world too? Um, so I'm trying to like kind of figure that out, but 
you know, talking to people who are doing it, um, learning, knowing that I don't know everything, even though I've done it, like I've been around for a while. I know I'm good. I know I can do it, but like, where can I improve? And so asking favors and asking like, can I come, um, like hang around your shoot? Can I PA so I can kind of see what's happening? Um, and kind of figure out like one, what do I, what do I really want to do? Cause right now I feel like people don't know what I do. I like am kind of doing everything and I'm like, personally, I'm like, do I want to direct? Do I want to DP? Do I want to like fly drones? Do I want to edit? Do I want to like keep doing weddings? Do I want to like, I, I'm like, I don't know if I've answered these questions for myself yet. And so I'm really focusing on, on again, like what is compelling to me? What seems interesting? So I know what direction to start going. And I know like what I'm really interested in is, is walking away from weddings and doing other stuff. So I'm, I'm walking in this direction and now I'm kind of like, okay, now what's the next turn? And I, I'm learning. I'm kind of where I'm like, I don't think I'm, I don't, I don't think I want to give up the camera. Like I get really inspired when I see, especially other women, like running the camera and doing really cool things and um, like directing a crew. It just sounds super exciting. And I think I'm capable of it. Um, I didn't want to let go of like saying I was an editor because I'm pretty good at it, but I'm realizing like if I had to let go of something, yeah, I like, these are the things I want to do more. So like, how do I show myself as these two things, director and DP and cinematographer and what do I need to improve on? And like, how can I like figure out what I need to learn and who I need to talk to? And I, that's, that's kind of where I am because I know some of it is just like being the person that someone thinks of when they need to hire that position. Yep. Being a friend of mine. So I'm, I'm kind of there. I'm trying to like rework my online presence to just be um, like showing only my best work. I know I need to like update a reel, which is and like going through everything. And so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in that like, again, transition time, but I know a couple of things I should be doing. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out who are the people I need to be talking to um, and how do I need to showcase myself? And I haven't quite answered those questions, but I think I know a few of the questions I should be asking. I think it's interesting that, I mean, you've been doing this full time for so long and yet we're still in this position of like, I don't know what I want to do. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. And that's not the case or the story for everybody that's freelance, but I think it's something that I come across more often than not. Mm-hmm. And I think on the outside, it can seem like maybe we have everything all together or that we really know what we're doing. And that's not necessarily always the case though. Uh, maybe we're just really good at making it seem that way or we're making ourselves look a certain way. We're, We're getting really good at it because of, I think things like Instagram, you have to show like, I know what I'm doing. Look at this cool thing I'm doing. So we're all like, learning every day how to hide the like other stuff and show the highlight reel. So we, I think we're just all getting like to be second nature with that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you, we know each other semi well, but like you probably have an impression of like what I do. That would be an interesting question. If you had to introduce me and in what I did, what would you say? 
That's an, that's a good question. Uh, it has been a while since I've looked at any of your work. Uh, at April Kirby Instagram. A, uh, we'll have, we'll have the show notes too. You'll go check them show notes. We'll have all our stuff there. Uh, I, I, my, like if you said, Hey, what, what, what do you think I do? I'd probably say that I, I see you as a director, filmmaker, editor, and a documentarian. I don't know if that's the right. I think that works. Something like that. Uh, those are the things that come to my mind when I think about you uh, because, uh, and a uh, drone operator, because I know that that's something that you've done as well. Uh, and I don't know. I can see how you could be multifaceted. I do a lot of different things, I feel like. And so, and I feel like I do them well. And so while it might not, um, come across that way to everybody and might, maybe not everybody sees it that way and is able to go like, Oh, well she could do all of these different things and do them all really well. I see that. I think you could, but that's, do I, that's at least the, my perception yeah. of you. Do you have the opinion that I am, uh, like doing things well that I have my shit together? Yeah. I mean, it that's seems good. that it seems that way. <laughs> As far as I can tell, I mean, you're getting to do stuff. I mean, I see stuff sometimes behind the scenes of projects you're working on or some people put on Instagram and I'm like, dang, that's pretty cool that she's getting to do that. I'm like, there's been a couple of times where I'm a little jealous and I'm like, oh, that's, dang, that looks like a lot of fun right now. I'd much rather be doing that than sitting in the office schlepping files around or whatever I'm doing. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> I I mean, I feel like there's there's benefit to a little healthy like competition-ish of like, okay, it's like kind of like Ryan and grind, like I want you to succeed, but also I want to too. So I, you know, we're like running this race together. It's interesting being at this co-working space. Cause there's a few more like filmmakers yeah. that you're like, this is awesome. But also like, are you getting, are you going after the jobs I want? And like, how do we help each other without being a hindrance? Like I remember, I think I, when I was slowly mentioning, I think I said something to you about potentially being, um, uh, signing as this director and I was like yeah they're just looking for like a director in Dallas and I don't know if that's what I want to do and you were like oh I'll do it they should contact me <laughs> and it gave me this like fire under my ass of like no I want that <laughs> I want it I'm gonna go get it um, that's so, funny I mean I we, we probably do our fair share of of that but I think there's a little bit of a healthy like incentive like go after it because you also just want to be one of the like you want to be doing stuff and it's exciting to see other people do stuff. It and is. so it's, it's motivating. And I think, um, I think for the most part, it takes some intentionality to not be to where it is competitive. Like, okay, how do we make this more collaborative and help each other? Um, cause I think egos can get the best of us or jealousy or mm -hmm. insecurities, but I think for the most part, um, it's a really healthy place to kind of just be motivated, but yeah. also get encouragement. It's I find it interesting how, like you talked about, there's this kind of a healthy competition a lot of times, and there is the the side of, well, I want to get that gig, and if that person gets it, then I can't get it. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like the further along in this journey I get, the more it seems like that there is somehow, kind of magically almost, is space for everybody oh, yeah. to win. It's weird, but yeah. And how it's like, hey, if you can win and I can help you win and you can help me win, somehow we're both going to win. And even though you might get that job that I would have liked or I might get the one you wanted or this or that, somehow there's still ample space for 
mm-hmm. us to all exist and fully thrive. Right. It doesn't, it's weird. It's, it's it cool is though. weird, but I, I think it's like, um, you know, I think from the simple like explanation, as far as like you get a job shooting, Hey, I need someone to like assist me on this shoot. Like, you know what I'm doing. So can you come help? Like, yep. boom, we are helping each other succeed to like, um, I remember somebody posting online that they were like traveling for work to like Africa or something. And he went on this whole spiel of like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to post and like become like sound like I'm super egotistical and bragging. Um, but I also want to share what I'm doing, but I met this like conflict of like dilemma of what I do. And I said, honestly, like what motivated me to get where I am was seeing people talk about and sharing like I am in this country and I'm doing this work and I'm getting paid for it. And I remember seeing those posts and being like, this is possible. I want it. Like I, yeah, I'm so like super jealous, mm-hmm. but I'm like, it's attainable. And like, how do I get there? Cause I want it. And so I think like, it is also like, you can be honest if people ask you like traveling for work is not glamorous. <laughs> like, <laughs> it has glamorous moments. Oh, no, you find it. It's it amazing. looks cool. It can be really awesome. You can carve out time. Like, yeah, I went to Iceland for filmmaking and I had two days in like hot springs and it was awesome. And like, you get to explore and it's super, super cool. Um, but I also like, as a filmmaker, you're lugging like a bunch of luggage and shit everywhere. And like, you're dealing with the weather and it's cold and you're like, I don't have extra hands to do this. And like traveling through airports with like your 40 pound Pelican case. And I don't have a lot of arm strength and I like want to have a, I can do it attitude, but how many times do I have to ask somebody on the airplane to help me put that overhead? It's really embarrassing. And I'm like, there's just, (laughs) there's so many little factors of like, you're not sleeping and like, it's just crazy. You're on the road. I haven't seen my husband in 30 plus days. Cause we're like, he's traveling in Europe, which sounds amazing. And he's having a great time, but like it, it's not like this glamorous rock star mm-hmm. life. Um, you it's work. I mean, yeah. you're working your well, ass and there's off. times you get to go places and you don't actually get to be there. Like for example, yeah. I, I got to travel to Canada this year, going to Edmonton and Toronto and yeah, I share some videos and put together, you know, a drone reel mm-hmm. I shot and all that type of stuff. And it looks so cool. But the reality is we rolled into Edmonton and I had about like 15 or 20 minutes <laughs> to find a place to kind of shoot some cool aerial stuff while we were en route to our hotel. And then we went into the hotel for the night and stayed and woke up the next morning and went and shot and then packed up and like rolled out. Yeah. And then went to Toronto and then we were in Toronto. And I mean, it's like the amount of time that I actually got to spend hanging out and seeing it was basically none, which is, it was mostly just like, okay, we're done with the day. It's like five or 6 PM. Mm -hmm. Let's grab a cab or walk up the street to go grab dinner and kind of see the sights on the way. And by the time we get done, grab a drink and now it's 11 o'clock and it's time to go back and pack up and fly out (laughs) in the morning. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I fucking love it. Oh yeah. It's great. It's so Um, cool. I am like, eager to lug my crap through an airport and have to pay for checked luggage. I live for when I get to travel for work. I love it. It fuels so much in me, but it, I mean, it's, it's work. Um, and I make it worth it. I like, um, I had a layover in Amsterdam and I was like, Hey, 
extend that. Like, give me that longer layover. I'm here. I'm going to, like, walk these canals because I'm here, damn it. But I don't get to do that very often. Mm-hmm. But I, I try to make the most of it and, like, experience where I'm at or just look out a window for three so, yeah. seconds. But, you know, you're, you are working. It's not um, a constant vacation. Um, but it, and it's kind of fun to, like, share that and, like, be like, yeah, this is great. It is great. It is great. It's just not all roses. It's not sure. all easy. It's not all ch- like anything really. I mean, you know, especially like they say, you know, anything worth having doesn't come easily mm-hmm. or it takes work or it's difficult or whatever. It's definitely the case with yeah. uh, traveling for work all the time. It's hard to get into rhythms too. Like I, I, I also write my own music and record my mm-hmm. own music. And uh, for, I mean, my whole life off and on, I've wanted to tour and felt like I want to be a traveling musician full time. But then as I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, but you know, I kind of like going to the same coffee shop every morning and seeing the same people. And I enjoy going to the gym every day. And I start thinking about being on the road and I'm like, if I'm on the road full time, like there ain't no fucking way that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like you roll with a team and we have a crew of 20 people that are all your like, you know, the people that are setting the stage up and all the stage hands and everything that becomes your community. That becomes your like day in and day out as that crew of people you're with. And so then at that point, I think it's like very important to uh, work with people that are cool, work with people that you get along with more because it will become your kind of family, especially if mm-hmm. you're traveling all the time. Talked a lot about the artistic side of stuff and the creative side of things. Mm-hmm. We're great at that. What about, um, like business side of stuff? Mm-hmm. How did you, A, where did you, how did you learn how to do that? Mm-hmm. Or do you, you know, or are you still learning? And then B, how do you manage the quote business side of things? Be it like, I mean, you know, back office accounting, CPA, legal stuff, taxes, contracts. Um, Well, I'm a big believer, and obviously if you can, but um, if you don't know what you're doing, hire someone who does. Um, I I am really bad at the business side of things. Um, I've never managed money well. I like get anxious having to like open emails and look at bills and like I just – it. I remember like dating Clint, my husband, who is just like unnaturally a combination of like brilliant musician, um, creative type, and then like responsible. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um, but I remember telling him like, okay, this is when I was working full time. I was like, I don't understand if I get paid on the 15th of the month and the 30th of the month, but then bills are due on all these other days. So like, how do you have money? when the bills are due, if you've like, you get paid here and you like, you buy all these other things. (laughs) 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 It was like, you, what? (laughs) 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 Um, So some of it was, I mean, I guess in my case, it was kind of delegating and being honest with what I was not good at. Um, I went full-time freelance after we got married and um, Clint and I both, um, we share our finances and he kind of assumed a lot of that responsibility of like kind of putting plate things where they go. And he kind of showed me this magical thing of like, Hey, if you get paid here, but you already know your expenses are X amount a month, then you know what you can't spend anything on. <laughs> um, I, he would probably have different things to say, but I feel like I've gotten a lot better <laughs> at like just knowing what my expenses are every month and like just trying to keep be intentional about like how much is rent for my office, how much is like 
gear insurance, like I just kind of know what I need to bring in and I have, I'm trying to just be a little bit more aware um, of the numbers and I like look at accounts and, and I'm like, okay, if I need to make like pay out X amount a month and then I need to like eat and feed my cat, then I need to bring in X amount of dollars. I'm kind of getting that like hang of it, but I mean, short answer, I, I, put myself around people who knew it better, um, and asked for help. Um, and I'm, I'm taking that slowly kind of back just to like handle like business expenses. And I'm really trying to just be more like on top of it and like manage that. Cause it's unfair to have Clint all of a sudden be my like manager of my businesses, <laughs> like accounts. But, um, for the most part though, we, we have someone do our taxes. Um, I have a guy who like tells me what insurance to get, um, I, I just, I ask people who have the answers because I don't have so many of them. Um, I do use, a, a CRM, a, like Dubsado to kind of like put all my projects in and like put my contracts and like invoices. And I don't think it's entirely necessary. And there's so much more like capacity. You can use things like Dubsado or HoneyBook for, um, but I'm just like, it's really helpful to have like everything in one place. Um, and like, no, like they've paid me, they have not, um, like that, that helps a ton, like kind of having like a spreadsheet of information. Um, so I, I've just kind of like picked up tools to help because yeah, I'm no good at the business thing. Um, I can hustle and I can work hard. Um, but <laughs> I, I just try to surround myself with people who are better at it, I guess, in short, it was a long way to answer that, but yeah. What about, that's great. Uh, I mean, as far as contract stuff, then too, I'm guessing it's the same. Do you have a lawyer that, yeah, that I, writes up contracts for you? Do yeah. you even use contracts? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. You seem like a contract person. Not uh, everybody is them, but you seem like uh, one yeah, that would. You learn, <laughs> you learn when you don't. Um, yeah. I'm, especially if you're working with anybody, you kind of know, like I use contracts for like, in, like people I hire on to come work with me. Like, even if it's just like, a paragraph agreement of like, Hey, don't act like a stupid idiot when you come work for me. And this is what I need from you. Like, this is what I'm expecting. This is what I'm paying. Please like represent my company while um, sign here. So there's just like an agreement even between like someone I hire on for work to um, clients. I think it's just better to like, I tell people, I'm like, Hey, we need to get this like nitty gritty stuff out of the way blah, 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 blah. Okay. Sign here. So we're good. Great. And you just know what happens when things go wrong and you just hope they don't. So I'm a big believer in them. Um, absolutely. Um, with weddings, like you should not be doing that without one. Um, and then I think working with any sort of like company, it's so beneficial. Um, like, especially when I travel internationally for nonprofits, I am like very sure to have one, um, just to be like, just clear, like, these are my deliverables. This is what you're going to get. This is when, um, just, it just helps to even have like clarity going into projects to like put it in writing and you're both like, we're good on this. Great. And now what happens if I like get injured and you need, like, you're going to finance me getting home. Like we're good. This is great. Awesome. Um, so yes, absolute firm believer and have something in writing and have both people signed to agree to it. 
Um, it's just, it's just smart. Um, I had like a contract I wrote for a long time that I like, I think I like got one on legal zoom and like made it kind of different. But then I was using one that I realized later was like actually made for people hiring a like filmmaker. So like everything in it was really more beneficial to the client and not me. So, um, yeah, I actually had Matt Glenn, who is an attorney and lawyer that works here at wax base, um, draw up a, um, a couple agreements for me. One was specific to like wedding clients and one is for, um, like commercial and, and client work. So yeah. And now it's like, he just talked about what I needed and what I need to like be aware of. And he made it all legal and like top notch. And it's real simple. I have it all loaded like, um, digitally and I just send it out. They can sign it online and send it back. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think, I think I'm probably due soon to have a visit with Matt or somebody similar to that, to have some of that stuff developed. Cause I never have ever actually met with somebody that does legal stuff for a living to mm-hmm. have any of that looked over. I mean, kind of just piecemeal it together. Like a, mm-hmm. a lot of freelancers I've talked to do. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's lots of resources and templates that like, if you're not in the place to um, like pay the legal fees for like a lawyer, um, that, I mean, do the right, like, you know, research and there's like people who, who can help you out or like people who are, who have made templates that they're willing to like, Hey, you can buy this contract I've done for X amount. Or like, I just, I think utilize the resources you have, but there are, there are a lot out there or even going to, you know, someone and and bartering. Like if you're like, I can't really afford this, but maybe I can do some work for you. You can work for me. And that kind of works for anything. from Yeah. I've found bartering to be very helpful for me over the years. Uh, Have you ever, Oh, first off you mentioned, one of the things you mentioned kind of in that when you're talking was how like, Oh yeah, you, I get hurt. Are you going to finance me? Like getting back mm-hmm. home? Like I have this in the contract. Man, did you just kind of like think that stuff up on the front end and be like, Hey, this is something I need to look out for. Mm-hmm. Or did you have yeah. friends that told you, Hey, make sure you put this kind of stuff yeah. in there. Or is that actually was kind of birthed out of, um, my, and I have like a bonus set of parents. Um, they were probably, more like aunt and uncle. It's like my dad's best friend's family, but I grew up with them, lived with them. I call them my bonus family for context. So my bonus dad is actually a quadriplegic. Um, and he, um, was injured in Africa about a few weeks into serving as a missionary. He had a one-year contract and he was in a head-on collision, only survivor and quadriplegic. And they just had such a time like with the finances this is back in the 80s of like getting him back and getting um like any sort of help from the organization to like cover all this stuff and and it was just a big headache and like they didn't have a really a a plan for all this stuff and obviously the times have changed but I think like knowing I was going internationally knowing like um I don't have health insurance right now. It hasn't always been the case. I I haven't had it for years. I did the first, like, probably two years of freelancing. Um, I do not currently. But knowing things like that, I just knew, like, um, I don't put that on, like, a wedding client. Like, if a couple flies me to Switzerland, I'm I'm not like, you are obligated to pay for my whatever if this happens. I have liability insurance. I have some things, whatever. Um, but if I'm working with an organization that is 
you know, a built up organization that probably has employees and assumes some responsibilities, then I'm going to hold them to, um, you know, like you need to make sure I get back to the States to like my family, like from wherever I am. Yeah. Um, Especially because you're going a little bit more remote than a way Yeah, in those times like that, yeah, it was definitely probably motivated from personal experience. Um, but also just like, yeah, I think that probably did it. Um, I, I don't consider myself like a major like worst case scenario like planner by any means. So I think it was kind of just that that kind of motivated me to to think through like, well, what happens if I'm here or something happens? like. I don't know if I have the like credit to like last minute book myself if I need to get there or something. Um, But yeah, that then is a whole nother conversation. Like I do always want to have the credit to get myself back (laughs) at a turn of a dime. Cause you never know. I had it like people have like, there's, there's catastrophes or like, you know, political, whatever, if you're traveling and like you, you might need to get back. So you need to make sure like you can get yourself back home or like away from something or um, yeah. Credit line I think is probably the the best thing you can have when you're freelancing. Cause um, debt free life doesn't really work for freelancers. So do well to your credit. Do you, I guess I take it. You use it. You use credit lines then a decent amount for financing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, use it responsibly. Um, I don't, I don't think I've done it to the best of my ability and I've gotten myself into trouble, but I am just very aware of having and needing cash flow and credit. Like if you need a front, like your flight to work and like you're going to get reimbursed for things or you need to like get reimbursed for your meals and things like that when you're working for a client, like it's not super fun and like professional to be like, a 30 something and be like, okay, but I'm going to need like a per diem. And can you pay for all these things? Cause I can't, like, uh, I got you. you. So can. for you, so you, you can contract that out and talk through it. But okay. I feel like, Hey, to come off with a little bit of, again, like credibility, like, yeah, no problem. Like I will send, submit a reimbursement for this. So, like, so you, so there has your use of credit is more short term mm-hmm. waiting until they pay versus shit, I want this camera. I need this camera. I can't afford it. I'm going to go put the camera on yeah, the ca- credit card and hope I can pay it off soon. I've, I mean, I've done that too I've as well. Too. I think we all have. I think that's a very, I have really mixed feelings about it. Cause there's part of me that's like, yeah, you got to have the right gear to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also a line of, well, what is, what is quote the right gear? Mm-hmm. Cause so much of that kind of depends on the person and what they're able to do with that gear. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, part of the way that I've kind of looked at it in the past is, I mean, if you're, you know, people go to college and take out student loans all the time for, mm-hmm. for school, what's so much the difference between that and taking out a loan or buying a camera yeah. on credit, um, other than maybe like interest rates, which can be yeah. four times as much, five times as much sometimes. Right. And it's also like, I mean, with the freelance life, like, um, there's dips, like you may not get paid like you could be working and you might be waiting on a check and or like you aren't working and what do you do like yeah you sometimes the answer is getting a part-time job but sometimes like you should use that time to like be hustling and talking to people and it's like yeah 
you might need a stopgap. And I think that is really a question and an answer that is probably very individually based. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if I didn't have a partner who was like helping me through that and could be like a second set of like eyes and like responsible, like handling, um, I would have definitely gone to like a, like some sort of personal like accountant and just asked for like, Hey, here's my situation. What should I be doing? Um, what's wise and what's not wise for me here are my personal goals and my personal needs. Um, I think that would probably be the wise, wisest way to figure out like balancing, um, like finances in general, like, but like, especially credit and playing with that or like loans, like, do I get a business loan like right away to do this? Do I rent out this? Um, I also think I have found a very huge difference between, and I don't, I I really don't love playing the gender card, but just whether it is the reason or it just happens to be this way, I don't feel like I ask for things up front with the same ease as like my male counterparts. Like I wondered about that whenever we were talking earlier a little bit. (laughs) If I, like I was hired as a, um, to, to, DP, um, for my friend, she was directing, we were traveling internationally. Um, and she was like, Hey, I have X amount of money for you. And I was like, cool. Um, I just assumed like now it's my job to like have everything I need to make this happen. So I'll rent this gear and I'll cut into my, if I don't have this, like I need to get that. That's my problem. Um, and then I did the same thing. I needed a DP to come as I directed internationally and he was like, great, I need these things. Here's the invoice. And I just thought, what? Oh, is that how it's supposed to be? I don't know. Or like, that's like one example. The other example would be people who are just like, hey, client, I need this. This is the amount of money it is. I feel like in general, I've just found maybe it's just other people. And I only happen to know like guys who do this in comparison Um, but like, I feel like by and large, they're asking for more money. They're asking for it quicker and they're getting it. And I'm like, what is this? Have you like asked for it and not gotten it or gotten pushback before? Or Um, is it just not, maybe you haven't put it out there as much? I probably haven't put it out there as much. I haven't demanded it. Um, I feel like I get hesitant to ask like, Hey, I need this or like, when am I going to get paid for yeah. this? Um, and then I feel like in general, I'm, my ask is smaller. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know what that is. Yeah. I mean, it's not to diminish what you were talking about, the gender role. Cause I, I, like you mentioned the same way, like I don't, I don't particularly enjoy bringing that stuff up because it means that there is somewhat of an issue with it. It is something that is happening mm-hmm. probably if, if it's something that we're talking about at all. Um, And I mean, unfortunately, I think it is something that happens because if, if anybody ever has the thought, oh, she's a great DP and she's a woman, Mm -hmm. like to me, that right there is indicative of an issue because like, Mm -hmm. well, what does the fact that she's a woman have anything to do with it? Why not just like, oh, there's a DP. Yeah. Like she's a DP. Plenty of times of being like complimented and then like you're really good at this and a girl as if like you're less capable because you're a woman. What it's, it's funny. Cause I, I just to be very, very honest and vulnerable about myself here for a second. Um, you know, I've, I've been raised kind of in the South and, and, and I don't know if that actually, how much of a difference that makes compared to other places, but all that to say, um, 
somewhere along the lines, uh, there was a friend of ours a couple of years ago that was very much, uh, he's a black guy and photographer, badass photographer. And um, this is kind of around the time when a lot of the, the Black Lives Matter stuff started coming out a little bit more. And he was making comments about like, if you think this and have this thought, you might be a racist or you might this or that. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. Like he's my friend. I'm, I'm not a racist. I don't have racist thoughts, but then similar to the, Oh, she's a badass DP and she's a woman. I started noticing that there would be these like weird thoughts of like, Oh, he's a badass photographer and he's black. And I'm like, why is that even a thought? Like, where mm-hmm. does that even, why does it matter? He's a dude. He's a guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly where I'm going with all that, no, but it's, th- it is something that is definitely, it is prevalent, yeah. I think, and is, or it, it, it is, it is, it is, it is at least prone to happen. I think, I think it is a really important conversation to have, not just because like, I, th- I think there are plenty of bias and prejudice. I certainly would have to admit that if I can feel this as like a woman in the industry, it must be tenfold for any minority in the industry. Yeah. Like, and I think, I think it's some, two things are happening. Um, and I don't know if there's like a specific ratio or if it's different every time of the people doing the hiring probably have a bias. And so there's a little bit of that, but then I think people who, I think women and people of color, um, are, are probably just used to it or they expect it or they like how much of that is projected on like, as like, as a woman, I can, I can only speak to that. Like I'm like, have I been conditioned to be a little bit more timid to ask those right. things? Thinking. Like, is that, be- and is that because of like my gender or is that just for other factors? But like, how much is it of like, is this client really going to pay me less um, because I'm a woman or is it because I'm not going to ask for it and I don't ask for it because I just, uh, I'm more timid naturally in my personality or is that like, uh, is it a gender thing? I think it's, it's convoluted, but I don't think it's um, completely out of, out of line to, to contemplate. Yeah. Um, I, I'm currently on a documentary. Um, I'm kind of utility currently. I'm camopping. Um, it's a feature documentary. It'll be in production for two years shooting. Um, and the subject matter is, is, is female kelp farmers. They're also in recovery. Um, and the, the main subject who is bringing these women together um, asked that because her boat will be all female and she's going to have all females to maintain the integrity of that, she asked the director, can your crew be all female? And the director, you know, she's like, that would be awesome. Sounds impossible, but we'll try. Um, but we we are doing it. And we did um, some shoots earlier this year. And we had um, two female cam ops, a female director, a female underwater cinematographer, and a female like PA assisting. And I, it was amazing to one, work with like women. Um, but then also we swapped stories. And like, it was a common a common conversation of like, there is a difference and there is something, am I being treated differently? And, and a lot of the times we we've had those shared experiences. So I can only imagine it's gotta be indicative like that in, in, in circles of people of color. Um, and how do we, 
how do we, as we are slowly becoming like aware of that problem, how, how does our generation and in this industry, like, how do we start to shed that, those biases of ourselves? Cause I, I probably, I know I have had that, not just of like, of other women, like, oh, she's, she's a good, like X crew and she's a woman or like I've, I do that and she's, or, and he's this. And I, I don't know where that comes from. It's kind of a, (laughs) but how do we respond to it? How do we hire differently? How do we, how do we be hired differently? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of my kind of view on it is a lot of it comes from conditioning and things that we're, we're shown, especially through media growing Mm -hmm. up. Right. Like, um, I mean, how much is the way somebody is portrayed in film or cinema or TV going to uh, kind of shape the way somebody sees Mm -hmm. themselves? Uh, I mean, a prime example of this is look at, look in cinema and by and large, the tattooed guy with a scraggly beard that drives a big passenger van is typically up to no good. Mm-hmm. Right. He's the robber. He's the rapist. He's the pedophile. He's the whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, then I look in the mirror and I'm like, well, he's, I got a scraggly beard. <laughs> well, I got tattoos. Well, I drive a big passenger van. It's kind of got just like random shit strewn around inside of it. Do people think that about me? Mm-hmm. Or are they, you know, I'm not that person, but like, do they think that I am? And so much of that is just literally come from like the way it's shown in cinema when it's like by and large, how many people do I see that look like that, that aren't actually that thing mm-hmm. happens all the time, right? Where it's just a normal person. Yeah. And I think a big way that we kind of overcome that is having conversations like this, well, becoming yeah. aware of it, bringing it out into the light. And it kind of takes time. Um, well, you can't, I think that's what drives my passion for like storytelling and doing that through film is that like you can't, you can't dismiss someone's story in the same way that you can dismiss um, an issue or a platform or like a ballot box election choice or, you know, whatever, like you, you can't humanize something and look at it the same way. And I think it's just such a powerful powerful tool um that i think there's an ethical responsibility to to tell our stories well and to tell like to be telling specific stories and sharing other people's stories that they're sharing um i mean it's just like you're given this amazing tool and you can do so much with it um i i remember what what sparked this love was like that 8th grade class we had to do a 10 minute doc on anything we wanted and I was editing it. And I remember, like I remember being like, I could make someone laugh right now by doing this edit or I could make them feel like kind of sad and I could maybe get them to cry if I do this. Like I remember feeling the, um, like the impact I could have. And that was like, Ooh, I feel powerful. And, and now you amplify that in so many ways. And like you can put the, stuff in front of people even easier than ever and you can get them to think about something maybe they didn't to feel something maybe they didn't and then hopefully maybe like they start looking at other things a little differently you just have this amazing opportunity um and and we should be thinking how we do this and who we include in creating it and how we 
go about choosing the stories that we tell, it's, it matters a lot. Yeah. All to, uh, change, lighten, lighten the subject a little bit. We got really heavy there for a minute. I have this tendency on podcasts. I mean, that's my tendency is to go deep and heavy in conversations. I love it. I appreciate it. I'm glad we could go there. Uh, uh, whenever it comes to, uh, pricing projects, mm-hmm. well, I guess first off back up, is there anything else you want to say on this topic before we um, move on? No, okay. I, I think just, I think, um, if there's anybody with resources to even be better at being more inclusive with people of color or women or, you know, LGBTQ or anybody who feels like outlier and these kind of feelings of bias, like, um, I would, I would love like more resources and opportunity to, to educate myself and to learn and, and then hope yeah. I can do that for others. But yeah. And being aware, just be, like be aware of it. If nothing else at the end of the day, you can be aware of the way that you see the world and the way that you treat people. And if you start to have those thoughts or notice, Hey, I have these weird biases, maybe check yourself and do something about it. Mm-hmm. And it takes time, um, to okay. kind of reprogram and rewire that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pricing. Yes. Pricing. That's a little bit of a better transition out of that heaviness instead of that such an abrupt, what, how do you price stuff out? Ooh, um, do you have a process for it? Somewhat. Or? Yeah. I think that's something I'm still learning. I think, um, I'm, I, well, I'm learning that different, um, uh, projects are going to be like different, like it's like how I would do a wedding is probably very different than how I would like send in like proposal to like a commercial client or something like I'm the thinking is similar, but like the numbers are shifting a ton, obviously like a wedding day. I'm not like invoicing out line by line. I'm going to be, you have 10 hours and you have this and this, that I kind of go through that process. Like I know I'm, I'm going to be filming on a wedding day for eight to 10 hours. I know I'm doing X amount of pre-production work and it'll probably take me this amount of time. Like what number is worth all of that time? Um, and obviously I'm doing that with anything. Like this is the time um, I'm spending. Um, what will make it worth that time? Obviously is kind of the common denominator. Um, but you can't really like communicate to a wedding, like a couple who don't have like any like knowledge of the industry. Like you don't talk to them the same way. Um but I think with um, like anything else, I have um, like day rates um, and like ideal day rates I want to make as this position. And if I'm more than one position, um, then you just kind of add that up. So more now than ever, I just have kind of basically an Excel list of day rates per position. And if I'm hired to do multiple things or someone has a job and I know it'll take X amount of people to do it, I'm just line item like itemizing all of that and then spitting out a number. If I want to give a discount or I feel like that'll help, I'm one thing I learned was to show the discount you're giving, like show what it would cost and what it should cost and show what they're getting a discount on exactly. And then give them that number so that like, they're never like you are educating your client um, and you're hopefully preparing them, especially with like nonprofit organizations, what to budget for in the future. Right. Um, Versus just thinking, oh, well, this is, I got it for this price last time. Right. And they have no idea that they cut them a deal. So if you're like, oh, I would normally do this for 10 grand, but I'll do it for you for 
four. Because <laughs> they're not going to remember that conversation in their head. They'll just go, oh, I can get it for four right. or less. So I think by saying this is why this, and I think it just helps for any client and it helps your preparation um, of just, again, kind of getting it out in writing of like, hey, I need this for this crew and this crew and I'm employing people um, gear is this amount. So like you're, you're just showing what it, it all is going to be. And they can kind of know what that, like what their investment is going to, and not just like, oh, this girl is walking away with 10 grand in her pocket. And you're like, no, this is what is actually happening. And, and I think it, it communicates like a, a level of, of professionalism as well. But, um, and then you know how to like hire your crew. You're like, hey, I have X amount of dollars. Can you come do that for me, Casey? And you're like, I would really need this. And you're like, I don't have it. I'll, like, do you know someone else who would? You know, I think it just helps in the hiring process and crewing out. Um, and yeah, I would say like in general, like itemizing and, and having specific day rate goals or like if you know a type of project takes you X amount of days or work, like, okay, like this is what I need to like make that worth it. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned that you have different day rates for different things. What, how do you determine what those numbers need to be? Um, I guess like, uh, like crowdsourcing and, and, and set in a sense, like I've asked kind of people who are doing it, like what is the range? Um, I don't think it's like taboo to talk about money. So I, I bring it up a lot with people. Um, but I, I kind of figure out like what their level of experience is versus mine. And so if they give me a range, I'm like, okay, I probably am on that lower end for that position, but oh, I'm definitely, I, I'm just as good as this person. Like I should be charging the same. Or when people um, have hired me, they're like, I have X amount for this DP role. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Okay. Then that's probably what I can expect to get or whatever. So some of it is just like, it's talking to people, um, kind of looking out there. I know there are like union cards that have like very specific rates that people get for crew positions in, in that industry. Um, so there are like online resources to determine that. I think more and more people are really like great at talking through. I know like with weddings, people are really transparent about like, I charge X amount for this and this is how I do it. So I, I would say like, don't be afraid to ask someone like outright um, I, I would probably be more clear. Um, but it, it, I mean, every client is so different that it just very much depends on the budget. But. So you, I guess then are you trying to find out budget of clients on the front end of things beforehand? So you know how to build a path to build um, a project out to fit that or. Yeah, or I have what's... a hard time. I feel like they're so hidden about it, but that's my goal. And like, it, like talking through like what is your budget for this? And I feel like, especially in nonprofit world, they're really hesitant to share. I think as you get more into like um, commercial clients and, and clients and brands who have kind of been around like the marketing world and they, they know how much of their marketing budget they can use, they're going to be more transparent. So as much as I can, finding out the budget of who's trying to hire me and then um, giving them a breakdown of what it would cost or a couple options of here's high end. If we can throw in all the stops and here's like the bare minimum of what we'll get it done, but this is what you'll sacrifice for it. Like I, I try to give a couple like proposal options usually. Um, 
with with that kind of client work? I feel like I, I've definitely experienced what you're talking about where certain organizations seem to not want to talk about the budget or what they have mm-hmm. and others are just, oh, yep, we've got five grand for this thing. And I can see both sides of why someone would be hesitant to show their cards as far as how much money they have to spend. And I can see why somebody would want to be very forthright and open about that. And I think Mm -hmm. the reason that people would tend to be more hesitant about doing that is because they're worried about getting taken for a ride. Right. And they're worried about the person being like, okay, great. You got five grand. Let's spend five grand. I'm going to take all your money. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are people out there that are like, I'm going to take, I'm going to get all the money I can, but I don't think it's necessarily malicious mm-hmm. because it gives us time. It gives us the resources and the time to know what, what we can actually do and to do everything we can within that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that agencies and, and marketing teams kind of understand a little bit more. Right. Uh, where, like you mentioned, whenever I ask a client what a budget is, I'm not asking so much because I'm like, how much money can I get out of them? Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay, is this something that it's going to be real run and gun and I'm going to use the camera I have and we're going to go out and shoot for a morning and I'm going to edit it the next day and we're going to do a round of revisions and then we're done? Or is this, hey, I had the budget to go scout a location with the team and then hire a proper crew and go rent cameras and rent gear and rent and do all this stuff? Or does it fall somewhere in between? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, the same project can cost five grand or 500 grand or 5 million. Mm-hmm. It's just really such a range in a matter of, well, what's your budget allow for? And what's the best thing that we can do within that? Right. Um, and I think, I mean, that's like the, the importance of the pre-production process and that client relation of like, there's so much on the front end of, um, one gaining your client's trust that like, you're not trying to just like get the most out of them. You are trying to serve them well. Like how do you create that trust so that they feel fine sharing that information? Um, and then just being like very clear with that and like working through having a plan for them to say, Hey, I know this is kind of a risk for you, or maybe it's not like here's X amount of dollars you're trying to give to me because you have a goal. What's your goal to like, how do you want to use this video? Um, this is how I think we can get your goal. Like this is, you're going to have a return on this by like, here's my plan. And I think um, that helps a ton, like in that process and just kind of like going, being able to go back and forth and being just really clear that like, we're not just going to make this up as we go. I'm not just going to like in the edit be like, here's this thing that could work. Like, you know, like they know they're paying you and you're getting paid to make an objective. Like this thing happened. Yep. And it's more than just producing a piece. It's, yeah, there's a lot more artistry and crafting that goes into that. Uh, is there is there any sort of like a baseline, you know, like I can't go below this number unless, you know, otherwise I can't pay my bills. Like this is the minimum I need to make mm-hmm. per position. Um, I mean, it's hard to give like a baseline because you don't know how many, like how often are you getting this project? How many days like is this taking away from other opportunities? Um, I know how much I need to make a month um, to not be like in struggle bus town. And so if it's 
a job that will like be low effort and not taking a ton of time that I know I can take some other work or it's a job that like pays a little less, but that wants to hire me often. Um, like those are some factors. Um, I, I mean, I have numbers for positions that I don't want to go under, but if I'm like a one man band, there's, that's where the like fluidity and flexibility, yeah, scalability. Comes in. Yep. And that's one of the reasons that I kind of stay solo or independent so long is because of that same thing as a scalability. You mentioned earlier something about, uh, in the times when you're, you know, you're slow because it happens that there's the kind of thought of, well, let me go grab a part-time job. Mm-hmm. But then you also mentioned, well, or you could take that time to go like chase down leads basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the big defining factors in people that do this more consistently um, and successfully long-term is you kind of, kind of think about time as uh, like time is money, right? Mm-hmm. It's valuable. And so it's like, well, okay, I can spend 20 hours getting a part-time job and working that thing. But would it take me 20 hours to get me a gig that pays me that much or more? Would it take me five hours? Would it take me 10 hours? And really it's looking partially at what I would call opportunity cost Mm -hmm. is, yep, maybe the part-time gig is a little bit more of a guarantee that, oh, I'm going to get this money. But the easy way out is not necessarily always the right way or the best way out. Mm. Um, Well, and it's not, it's not really the easy way out. If you look at it, like, I mean, like practically, yeah, you work 20 hours a week at what, 10 bucks an hour or mm -hmm. something like I could probably make in one day what I could make in a week or two. Um, If I instead, like you're just, you shift that thinking to like, okay, I'm in, pre-production mode for this job I don't have yet. Like I'm trying to get this thing. Um, but also, I mean, think through like a production house who has like people who they're the doers and then there's the people who are out getting the jobs and like making the client relations. Like when you are your own thing, you're all those things and you can't possibly be like going out and like getting leads and meeting clients and like finding new ways to develop and updating your website when you're when you're in the doing times, like you're needing to focus on the project at hand. So you have to have time um, to like get your next job basically. So um, like, where do you find that? And I think those are the perfect times is, is in the in-between especially when you just look at the numbers of what I think you can make versus like, a part-time job. Yeah. I guess it's a different, it's a different mentality. It's the business mentality. And that's really what you got to have if you want to do this successfully because it is work. It is fun. It's great. It's, it's a blast. It's a blessing, but it is work and it is hard work. And if you think that it's just going to be easy and you're going to skate through, that's not going to be the case. Um, yeah, I tell people like when they, they kind of ask like in the in general question of like, how do you make this work? I, I say like, it's, it's an issue of stability versus flexibility. Like if it is important to you to have something steady and you know, you're going to get paid on this day and you're going to be able to make your rent and you can feed yourself. Like that is your driving force is like some sort of stability. Freelance is probably not for you. Like if you're, 
if you like the flexibility, um, I, I like not having to be anywhere in the morning. I, so I'm not anywhere in the mornings. My work schedule is when I wake up and when I feel like stop working. And then I randomly have 6am crew call days. Like I, I'm fine with that. I am much better on the flexibility and like letting some of the stability go. Um, that's not everybody's cup of tea, but it, it works really well for me. Um, and that comes with a lot of like hard work and to do, but for me, like flexibility is worth it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you would like to talk about or share that I haven't asked you about or brought up yet? Oh, we've talked about a lot. it's important for people to hear. We have um, talked about a lot. We've covered yeah. a lot of ground. Yeah. I would just say like in general, um, well, we've covered everything. I feel like <laughs> I, I think, um, maybe it's my personality, but I think, um, so much of it is figuring out what is like what you want, what sounds interesting, what's exciting you, what compels you and like move in the direction that will get you those things. Cool. That's well, thanks fun. so much for coming on April. Where yeah. uh, can people find you and your work online? Uh, so basically everything is just my name, aprilkirby.com um, at April Kirby. It's my Insta and Twitter, though I don't tweet often. Yeah, um, same. But yeah. So. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, we'll also put links to all of April's work in the show notes at vacacy.com slash freelance Friday or wherever you found this podcast and there are show notes available. Uh, and speaking of where you found this podcast, if you found April's interview or any of the other episodes uh, particularly helpful, uh, it would be particularly helpful for myself and the show if you were to leave a rating and a review. Uh, and please leave an honest one. If you don't think the show is great, tell us that. You know, um, yeah, we want a great reviews. We want great ratings, but at the end of the day, looking for honesty and really looking to uh, create a show that's helpful for people that meets them where they are and provides valuable educational resources. Um, thank you so much for listening and we'll be with you next time. Freelance Freddy is a Vacacy production. Vacacy is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. Vacacy, big production value, freelance agility and scale.